My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At Ren, we really believe that God's Word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. God, thank you so much for extending your grace and your mercy Uh, to your people. We're in desperate need of it, and we give you thanks for it. God, we love you. We commit our moments to you this morning. Pray that uh, the good name of Jesus would be exalted and would be uh, lifted up. Lord, I pray that you would work for your name's sake. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much uh, for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. want to welcome our village kids this morning. Kids, how you doing? (laughs) That was terrible. How are you doing, village kids? Still terrible. We're not going to try a third time. Okay, we'll just get to work. Hey, have you ever heard anyone say uh, the phrase, I'm not a fan? If someone's talking about something, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan. Maybe your son or daughter came home from school this week and they said, you know what? I have a little bit of homework. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of homework. Maybe you ask them, how were your teachers? And they say, well, I love my teachers, but my, my, my third hour ELA teacher, I'm just, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe at work, the guys are sitting around chatting it up. Some policies and procedures have changed around the office. Maybe the, the pay structure looks a little different. Your vacation time has been changed, and you're sitting talking to your buddy, and you're just going, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm just not a fan of these changes. Right? I think all of us at one time in our lives have probably said about something, you know, I'm not a fan. Kids, is there anything this morning that you're not a fan of? Is there anything that you don't like? Anything that you don't like? Anything at all? If there is anything that you don't like, just kind of shout it out. It's one thing you don't like. What? You hate bees. Thank you. To Oh, peas. I thought you said bees. You hate peas. I hate peas too. Thank you, village kid. Charity, any other village kids that want... I mean, kids, if you just sit and don't say anything, the adults are going to step up, all right? So you got to bring it. So we don't like peas, anything else that we don't like. Broccoli? You don't like broccoli? Broccoli's healthy, man. It's good for you. Okay, broccoli, peas, broccoli. Are we going to stick with the vegetable train or... You guys want to branch out a little bit? Country music. music. Right. Welcome to the South. Country music, broccoli, and peas. Um, There are things that we experience in life where we just go, hey, I'm not a fan. There are things that I'm not a fan of. University of Michigan offensive line right now, not a fan. Not a fan. That's been the case for a while. But the flip side is true as well. There are things that we are a fan of, right? You have experiences in life, things that you do where you go, boy, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. that. That new restaurant with a chicken biscuit with a bacon on top and a bowl of gravy. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Is there anything here that you would say, kids, hey, I'm, a, I'm a fan of 
Well, wait. Oh, my goodness. I'm a fan of church. Who said church? Oh, bless you. Listen, I don't, listen, I don't like to tell people I have favorites, but <laughs> favorite church. Anyone else? Something that you're a fan of? What's that? K-pop. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, totally K-pop. I thought that was a sucker. Uh, anyone else? Something that you're a fan of? Sports. Yes, a fan of sports. Listen, there are things in life that we look at and we just go, hey, I'm not a fan. And there are other things in life where we go, you know what? I'm a, I'm a fan. I, I like that. So um, did you know that there are some things that Jesus is not a fan of. Yeah, there, there are some things in life that Jesus is not a fan of. And there are other things that we can look at and go, you know what? Uh, Jesus is a fan. Uh, this morning, I want to tell you a few things that Jesus is not a fan of and a couple things that Jesus is a fan of. And we're going to look at a story from the gospel of... <laughs> yes! I'm starting to get jokes. My buddy asked me the other day, James, are we in like Mark 2 now? <laughs> Not funny. Uh, Mark chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Mark uh, chapter 11. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, you can follow along on your phone or you can follow along on the screen behind me. Um, the passage will be uh, up on the screen. So we're going to tell a story today about um, Jesus' encounter uh, with a tree. Uh, and I need a little help. Um, and so I asked someone before the service, I asked my buddy Trent uh, to, to help me. Um, so I'm going to ask Trent to come, to come forward. He's, he's going to help me out. This is, uh, I asked him if he liked the stage, if he felt comfortable on the stage, if he was scared being in front of people. And he assured me that he loves this. Like the juices are flowing right now, aren't they? Isn't this great? Look at all these people just staring at you just you. I mean, all eyes are on you. Is that, that's frightening, isn't it? Oh, it scares me to death. Um, so, so here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to tell a story today about a, uh, a tree, okay? And so um, you, you have a non-speaking part. Um, you're going to be my tree, okay? Um, and so give me like your best tree impression. Give me your second best tree impression. Like, like, like branches, like branches, 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 branches. Okay, now, um, you're doing great, you're doing great, uh, but a lot of trees sometimes have leaves, and I noticed you don't have any leaves, so I brought some, so I brought some leaves, um, Good. Trent, you are doing a great job. I'm glad I picked you to do this. All right. Good. How we doing? All right. That's right, right there. We'll do right there. There. Right here. Sorry. Sorry. It's season for leaves, so there we go. Okay. Um, your watch is going off. You need to get that? Is that a text? Or? Okay, good. Okay, so, so in our story, there's a, there's a tree. Uh, it's a fig tree. 
and it's a story about a fig tree with leaves. And Jesus is in the story, and he's one day walking, uh, and he's hungry. Have you ever been hungry before? Yeah, that was, that was a trick. Trees don't talk, okay? Oh, look, it's fall. Right, that's great. Uh, Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12, says, On the following day, when they had come from Bethany, he was hungry. This is talking about Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. So Jesus is walking, he's hungry, he sees a tree, and he sees a tree with, with leaves on it. And this is significant because uh, if you study fig trees, there is a particular time of season where uh, the, the figs come and you can pull the figs from the tree and eat them. Uh, usually it's from mid-August to mid-October, that's kind of the time of harvest. Uh, but after that, after mid-October, as you go into the winter, uh, oftentimes trees would, would start to form these little buds. Right? And the little buds throughout the winter and into uh, the spring would, would grow. And as they grew, they formed a Hebrew word called pagum. And pagum was like a, a fig before it kind of fully blossomed. Right? But you could still eat it. You could walk by the tree and you could pull this pagum off of the tree uh, and usually eat it. It didn't taste as good as a regular old fig, uh, but it, it still could satisfy your hunger. Uh, typically, what happened with trees is the, uh, the buds would form these pagums, and then they would sprout leaves, right? So if you saw a tree in the distance with leaves on it, you thought to yourself, you know what's on the tree? That's some, some sort of beginning fruit, this little pagum, so you could go eat something from the tree. But I got bad news for you, tree. Bad news for you, tree. You were, you were kind of a deceptive tree because Jesus uh, came up to the tree, it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 13, and it says, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. You're a sad tree. Nothing but leaves. Uh, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Right? So Jesus sees this tree. He approaches the trees and he expects to see something on the tree. Not probably a fully grown fig, but something that he could still take and eat because he was hungry. And yet when he looks at the tree, he looks around and he sees uh, no figs. And so what Jesus does is he curses the tree. So he says to the tree, in essence, you will no longer uh, grow any fruit. So tree, you're out of commission. You're out of commission. So get out of here. You're out of commission. Give Trent a hand. Uh, Jesus went to the tree expecting one thing, but he found something else. The, the tree looked kind of from the outside looking in. He had this expectation that it was going to provide something to nourish him or satisfy his hunger. And yet Jesus was disappointed because when it came to the tree, it had uh, nothing on it. Uh, a lesson that we learn from this is that Jesus is not a fan of being fake. Uh, Jesus is not a fan of being fake. Jesus is not a fan of appearances. Right? He, he's not a fan of us looking good on the outside, uh, but not good on the inside. Right? The, the Christian faith is a faith of the heart. 
Right? And so what this is teaching us, it's painting a picture for how Jesus viewed Jerusalem and its people. That on the outside, on the exterior, uh, they seemed relatively impressive. Right? He expected to see fruit, uh, but there was none. Jesus is not a fan of being fake. Uh, one of the shows that my kids like to watch at home is a show on the Food Network. Uh, and that show is called Baker versus Faker, right? Bakers versus Fakers. Have you seen this before? Okay, I guess they're going to cancel it because no one else watches it. Hey, so, so thank you. Thank you, Tim. Tim watches it. Thank you. I see that hand. So they bring people onto the show like professional bakers, and then they bring the fakers, people who aren't professional bakers but are still pretty decent. And then they bake stuff, and they try to determine who's real and who's fake, who's legitimate and who is a fraud. Are you a baker or are you a faker? When it comes to uh, the Christian life, uh, Jesus is not a fan of fakers. I had a professor in college that uh, stood up before the class and said, for uh, much of my life, I desired to be known as a godly man. Desired to be known as a godly man. He said, as I've gotten older, he said, I, my desire now is just to be a godly man. And for, for the longest time, I wanted to be known by others. I wanted other people to see. And then he said, no, I, I just want to be. Right? In the church, it can be really easy to, to be a faker, right? to, to jump through the hoops, to, to show up, to participate, to, to on the outside look pretty good. But, but then when you get up close, there's no fruit. Uh, Jesus is not a fan of faking it. He is a, a fan of us being authentic, of us being honest, of us uh, being real. I hope that we are a, a real people uh, as a church. I hope we're, we're honest about uh, our brokenness. I hope we spend more time uh, confessing our shortcomings than we do putting on a facade. Because Jesus is not a fan of fakers. Mark chapter 11, verse 15, the story continues. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And as he was teaching them and saying, Is it not written? My house shall be called the house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. And the chief priest and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. And they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out uh, to the city. Uh, the, the temple that Jesus is speaking of, it was the third temple. There was the temple of Solomon and then Zerubbabel and then this one. It still was uh, being uh, worked on. It was a massive structure. It had four major sections in the temple. There's a picture of it uh, over my shoulder. Uh, the, the largest section was the portion that was reserved for the Gentiles. It was called the Court of the Gentiles. It was 500 yards long and 325 yards deep. Uh, it was roughly 35 acres. It was huge. There was columns on the outside that were 35 feet up in the air. A historian Josephus said that it would take three grown men to lock their arms to be able to fit around 
one of these columns. The court of the Gentiles was reserved for the Gentiles. Um, the sanctuary, uh, the sanctuary though, was for uh, the Jews. It was for women and it was for the Jewish men. And the, the Gentiles were not allowed to go in there. There was a barrier, actually, that kept them out from uh, that, that inner sanctuary, that inner uh, section. And there was a sign on it that read, uh, No foreigner may enter, touch the rails uh, in the enclosure around the temple. Anyone apprehended shall have himself to blame for his uh, consequential death. Right? So here's this, this place of worship at right? the temple, and there's this place where uh, the Gentiles can hang out, and then there's this place where uh, the Jews can go to worship. Now, there's a number of things that are wrong uh, with this picture that Jesus paints. Uh, one of the things that's wrong is this idea of the money changers. When people would go offer a sacrifice, oftentimes people would come into the city and they would need to exchange their money. Right? So instead of exchanging their money kind of one for one and people giving back an honest amount of money, uh, the money changers would use the people's predicament uh, to, to hike up the rates. And so even though they wanted to give money as an offering, these money changers were making money off the people. Right? They were creating a barrier for people to come to God. The same thing was taking place with the sacrifices. The sacrifice of the pigeon was oftentimes reserved for the poor. Right? You could get like two pigeons for roughly the equivalent of maybe like 25 cents. Well, they would hike up the rate sometimes uh, 16 times. So a 25-cent sacrifice was all of a sudden a $4 sacrifice. And this was, this was huge. And so again, they're, they're taking this place of worship and they're turning it into a place of business. Oftentimes, people would use the, the court of the Gentiles, people believed, to kind of cut through. Like they needed to get from A to B, and the closest way to get from A to B was simply to cut through the temple. Right? And so no longer was it the sacred place for people to come worship. It was just a, it was just a shortcut for them. And the fourth uh, issue here is that this place had become an exclusive place. Right? It was not a place for all people. It was a place uh, for some people. It was a place uh, solely for Jews, and the Gentiles were set aside. And people belong, uh, believed for the longest time that the Savior, the King, would come and kind of move the Gentiles out. Right? He, he would move the Gentiles from the temple, and, and instead Jesus comes and he does just the opposite. Right? He wants to swing open the doors to this place. Jesus is not a fan of some people keeping other people away from him. Jesus is not a fan when we go out of our way to make it difficult uh, for people to come to Jesus. Uh, he, he's not a fan of us creating environments where all people don't feel welcomed. Right? Jesus is a fan of removing barriers. Right? That's why it says uh, here in Mark uh, chapter 11, that Jesus uh, wanted a place or a house of prayer uh, for all the nations. So when we function as a people and we make it difficult for people on the other side of the tracks or people from a different socioeconomic background or people of a different color or fill in the blank, when we make it difficult for them to come to Jesus, Jesus is not a fan. 
Right? What he is a fan of is an equal level playing field. He, he is a fan of us swinging open the doors of worship and welcoming others in. He is not a fan of using people in the name of Jesus for financial gain. Uh, he is a fan of worship. The story continues in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. And it says, as they passed in the morning, they saw the fig tree uh, withered away to its roots. Right? That tree with the leaves, with no fruit, is destroyed. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that our Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Jesus uh, is not a fan of fruitlessness. Right? He's not a fan of fruitlessness. Uh, he's, he's not a fan when we simply exist and make no impact or difference in the world around us. He's not a fan of us uh, coasting. He's not a fan of fruitlessness, but he is a fan of faith. Right? He is a fan of faith. Here we are called to a life of faith. Um, south of the city, south of Jerusalem, um, you, could, you could look out into the distance and see the fortress uh, of Herodian. Uh, Herod the Great was well known for, for building just massive and quite honestly very impressive architecture. Uh, when, you, when you study what he was able to accomplish, it literally blows your mind. I mean, it's quite impressive. And, and you could be on the Mount of Olives and look to the south of the city and you saw this, this huge mount that almost looked like uh, a, a volcano with the top off. And it was a fortress uh, that he had created. And what he did in order to create it is he took an, an adjacent hill or little mount and he literally moved it. Like he had, he had people move it so he could help or so they could help create his fortress. And so when people looked at that, in their minds they were thinking to themselves, boy, the, the power of Herod, the power of Herod the Great to, to be able to move a, a, a mountain to create this, this beautiful structure. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, if you have faith, you can move a mountain. He's calling them to a life of faith. This isn't, by the way, some like name it and claim it thing. This isn't some, hey, listen, if you want to be rich, if you just have faith, you name it, you claim it, and God will give it to you. That, that's not what uh, this is teaching. This is teaching and calling us to a life of faith. God, give me your desires. Give me your longings. Help me want what you want. And then be set free. Right? Then, then you live that out in faith. God, this is what you're calling me to. This is what you're calling me. I, I believe that you can do it. Even when I don't see how you're going to do it, I believe that you're going to do it. Even when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust. Because God calls us to a, a life of faith. This life of faith is met by prayer. Uh, and it's met by prayer because we're dependent. Because we can't do it on our own. 
because we're not naturally fruit producers. This is the work of God. And so we pray because we're dependent and we forgive. We forgive our brothers and sisters when they wrong us. We forgive people when they step on our toes. We forgive others when they offend us. We forgive because God in Christ has forgiven us. Right? He has forgiven us in, in our moment of desperation. In our moment of desperation, at our very worst, God gave to us his very best. God, Jesus, is not a fan of fruitlessness, uh, but he is a fan of faith. Jesus is not a fan of being fake, uh, but he is a fan of of authenticity and of the changed heart. He is not a fan of, of keeping some people away from him by creating barriers. He is a fan of making it easy for others to come uh, to him. He is not a fan of fruitlessness, uh, but he is a fan of faith. And so may the God who made you, the God who knows you and loves you, uh, fill uh, your heart with faith. Uh, may you and me, may we be a fruitful uh, people uh, as we trust God in his finished work in Jesus. May we be an authentic people. And I, I pray that we would shoot straight with others, that we would be known by others, that we would be honest about our brokenness and our need for Jesus. Jesus uses that. He does it all the time. Someone like that, man, Jesus is a fan. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we thank you for, uh, for loving us. Thank you so much for, uh, for Jesus and for his uh, good work on our behalf. God, I thank you for uh, your living and active word. I thank you for using your word uh, to change hearts and change lives uh, even today. God, as we think about these words this next week, I pray that you would uh, cause us uh, to, to live a life of transparency before you and others. I pray that we would not uh, look good on the outside, but just be all messed up on the inside. Change our hearts. God, help us not to set up barriers that prevent other people from coming to you. God, I pray that uh, in your grace and in your goodness, that we would be a fruitful people, that we would be a people who multiply, that we would be a people who give our lives away for the sake of others, that we would take what we have and entrust it uh, to others. We pray, God, that you would do this in the good name of Jesus and for your sake. Amen.